This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Have you ever seen a mirage? Yeah, you're, you're driving on the highway in the summertime and and you're driving down that highway, and you look out there, and there's this glimmering spot on the highway. It looks like water. It's, it's got to be water, right? But, but you get there where that was at, and, and there's no water there. But as you look ahead, there, there's still this shimmering out there on the highway further down the road. It looks like water. It's, it's got to be water, but, but there's no water there. Or maybe it's like in the movies or or for that matter in real life when someone's out in the desert and and they're parched, they're they're just dying of thirst literally and they look out there and and out by that sand dune way out there, there looks like there's this big lake of water, oh, the very thing they need and and they walk there but but it's it's never there, It's, it's not there. A mirage is caused by atmospheric conditions where the light is refracted by the heat. A definition of a mirage is something that appears to be real, but it's not. This morning, as we continue our series, Let's Be Real, we're going to look at the mirage that temptation offers. Now, all of us, no, no matter who we are, no matter what's in our background, no matter whether we're Christian or not, we've all been tempted to fall into sin. So the question I have for you right now is, over this past week, what temptations have been appearing before your eyes and before your heart? For me, I, there are a couple of temptations in our cabinet at home, Okay. One of the temptations is named Oreo, and the other one just goes by the generic name Chip, right? And this Wednesday night, and I'm just being honest, and and this is really embarrassing too, so, so don't try this at home or anywhere else. This past Wednesday night, my sister called me up. It was about 9 o'clock at night. And I had to use that quick text thing on there to say, can I call you right back? And, and the reason why was because I was sitting down on the couch with my friend Chip, and I had reached into the chip bag, and I grabbed up all the crumbs down at the bottom and literally stuffed my face full of the chips so I couldn't talk, right? Food's a good thing. Too much food... Or too little foods, not a good thing. Or how about this? Have you ever gone to Target? And you're just going to buy an item or two, right? And and you walk in and and you see the red carts there and you go, okay, I'll take a cart. It'll just make it easier to carry. And the next thing you know, you're going down the aisles, pushing your red Target cart and stuff off the shelves is just jumping into your cart, Right? And by the time you get your one or two items that you came for, your cart is overflowing. You're no longer going to the self-checkout, which is where you were going to go when you first got in, you know, and you go to the clerk. And the the clerk goes, did you find everything okay? (laughs) You know, like, yeah, I found everything. 
Stuff is okay. It's okay to have stuff. God has commandments that says it's okay to have stuff. Protect your stuff. You know, protect your neighbor's stuff. But too much stuff, that's called materialism. Or check out Drew, okay? Drew and his wife went to the store or, you know, to the mall, and they're at one of the kiosks in the center of the mall, and a young woman walks by with a short dress that's form-fitting, and and Drew notices this, and and Drew's eyes follow the young woman down the mall walkway, and, and Drew's wife, without ever looking up from the item that she's looking at, examining, she says, now, was that really worth all the trouble that you're now in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I, I, I saw this study this past week that says uh, here in the United States, one in two men and one in five women are addicted to pornography, and, and that's those that admit it, and that doesn't include those that take a peek every now and then. See, sex is great inside of marriage, not outside. Temptation. See, that the thing about temptations is they offer us the hope of happiness. That's what makes temptation so hard to resist because they offer the hope of happiness and, and we want to have that hope and, and we want to be happy. And so sometimes... That temptation is out there, and we've already been down that road, all right? We've already succumbed to the temptation. We've already fallen into sin, but that same temptation comes out there, and it's offering hope, and we're thinking to ourselves, well, maybe this time, maybe this time, it will really bring me that happiness that I'm looking for, but it doesn't. Because you see, temptation offers something that it can't provide. In the name of happiness, there have been ruined relationships, fractured families, just about anything and everything but happiness has been found. And some people have even taken their own lives. The hope of happiness. Satan used that very thing against Jesus. Jesus was famished. He he had been fasting for days. And Satan comes, man, I want you to be happy. And there's a stone over there, and I know you can turn that stone into bread, and you can fill your empty stomach. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew if he filled his empty stomach with that bread, that he would be empty, actually, heaven would be empty for all eternity, and you and I would have empty lives now and forever. Knew it was false hope of happiness. Satan didn't stop, though, with Jesus. Jesus, man, I know you're powerful. I know you are creative. I know you can do amazing things. I know you want all people to follow you. Here's the deal. Jump off the temple, okay? Jump off because I know what scripture says. It says God will command his angels concerning you so you won't get hurt, you won't stumble or fall. Jump off the temple. Do a couple of flips, a twist, a full gainer or something, and people will be amazed. They will come to see you do this. 
They'll follow you. And while Jesus wanted everyone to follow him, he wasn't a circus act. He was a savior. Satan keeps on banging on Jesus' heart. Jesus, I know you're going to be king. You are special. There's no doubt. God has great things in mind for you. You're going to be a king. I want you to be a king too. Here's the thing. I know that in God's way of making you a king, he's going to give you a crown, but it's going to be a crown of thorns. And it's going to hurt. Okay, it's going to hurt really bad. And, and God wants to make you a king, but the way he's going to make you a king is he's going to walk you through a path that's going to lead you to the cross. And as is going to be really, really bad. I tell you what, Jesus, I'll make you king if you bow down and worship me. I will give you the kingdoms of the whole world right now. A shortcut to kingship and happiness. But you know, right, the, the kingdoms of the world were never Satan's to give in the first place. He was offering again something that he couldn't provide. Satan gets our heart beating with temptation. It'll be good. It'll be fun. You deserve it. Nobody will know. Nobody will get it. You're only human. God wants you to be happy. And Satan comes and he, and he tailors the temptations just perfect for you and me. He knows our weaknesses, and so he brings those temptations right into our weaknesses. That's why sometimes when we look around and we see people fall into sin, we're going, that was stupid because it was their weakness. And if you notice, we just fell into a weakness too and we go, that's stupid because we've judged them on the basis of their weakness and not our own. And another reason why we might say, well, that's stupid is, you know, what might be happening is Satan might just very well be priming us to misstep into our weakness or maybe even that exact same weakness that we were condemning. And again, Satan will come to each one of us and get us in our weak spot. Okay? So for example, there's a really, really high chance, there's a really, really good chance that Satan will not come to any one of us here today and say, after church, go get a gun and eliminate someone. Really high chance he's not going to do that. And, and if anyone's here with that and that happens, come talk with me, okay? We'll take care of that. But what Satan will likely do to just about every one of us here within the next couple of hours, we'll go to the restaurant uh, for lunch, we'll go to Menards or something, get some work done, and, and we will be, you know, behind the ball because the waiter or waitress is moving slow or the food's not cooked, and we're going to want to assassinate someone's character by our words and by our thoughts. Satan's good with that. Now, keep in mind, being tempted isn't a sin. In fact, fighting off temptation is a courageous battle, and it's hard, isn't it? 
How many of us have and say, oh, I'm so tired of this. I, just, I wish it would just stop. I'm sick of it. And into that mix, Satan goes, yeah, I know, so just do it and get it over with. You do it once, you won't have to do it again. But if you're like me and you fell for that lie, you find out that the temptation to do it again is even more difficult after you've fallen into sin. See, the problem with temptation is we get intrigued by it. And we start playing around with it in our mind. And and then this is what happens. James, a, a book in the Bible says, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. In other words, when we sin, it might even feel good at the time, but we've actually brought death to our soul. Again, Satan offers what he cannot provide. Let's be real, okay? All of us have slipped, all of us, no matter who we are, all of us have slipped on temptation and fallen into sin. All of us here, temptation has come and we toyed with it in our minds too long and we caved and we did wrong. Let's be real. All of us have been tempted to sin and we've outrun temptation into the very sin itself. The Apostle Paul says that the good I want to do, I don't do. The evil that I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. And when we sin, Satan is right there, right? And he comes with great passion and fright. Oh my, I can't even believe you did that. Wow, you're really bad. You're worse than I thought. That can't be forgiven. That's too big. Too big. You did it one too many times. You know, there is a limit to all this stuff, right? Such a mess. You turned your back on God, and now God's going to turn his back on you. Those are all Satan's lies. I can see, I have good news for you and me, that when we're tempted and we fall into this sin thing, Jesus comes right into the middle of all that, right into the middle of all those temptations and right in the middle of our sin, and he's tempted in every way just as we are, yet he doesn't sin. I share that with you, so not so that you and I go, gosh, we're such losers. I share that with you because we can have the joy of having the Redeemer, because Jesus is our Redeemer. He didn't sin. Scripture says again, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us 
in our time of need. In the Old Testament, the high priests were to represent the people and then make a sacrifice for the people's sins. Okay? Jesus is our high priest. He represents us before God on the cross, and he makes the sacrifice, a sacrifice of himself on the cross so that we have a Savior. And so when Satan comes to you after you've fallen and and he gets you to try and go into despair, know that you have victory already. That, That Satan is not the king of hell. He is its most notorious prisoner forever. Victory is already yours in Jesus. It's already taken place. The cross already happened. The empty tomb already happened. The deal is already done. You're victorious. So last week, I was watching a video on Facebook, and as the video opens up, there is a medium-sized dog that's being wrapped around by a giant python, okay? And the dog's owner and friends are out there with their sticks beating on this python as it's wrapping the dog up. And as the dog is being wrapped up, the dog's tail is wagging. He's thinking, this is great. This is fun. Oh, man, a playmate, you know? And then suddenly that contraction that gets too tight, right? And the dog's tail goes from wagon to fright. I'm caught. I can't do anything about it. The owners and the friends are still beating on that snake. And within a couple of seconds, the dog goes limp. The owner and friends, they're still beating on that snake, and and that snake actually lets the dog go. And the dog is, is revived. It comes back. I want you to know, Jesus pummeled the snake, Satan, not with sticks, but with the wooden cross in the empty tomb. Maybe some of you will remember that that Satan went into that serpent way back in the Garden of Eden and he tempted our first parents to, to fall into sin. And when they did, God came onto that site right away and ripped into Satan and promised him this. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. That's the very first promise of the Savior. The Savior's come. And so you're victorious. You're already victorious. So as victorious children of God, this is what you can do when temptation comes. One, Identify the false hope that Satan is offering you. Identify it as false hope. Secondly, look to God for your true hope. Right? He's the one that's going to fulfill you. He's the one who's going to bring happiness. Psalm 42.11 says, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. When you're being tempted... Remember God's promise to you. When it's a struggle, when it's really hard, remember God's promise to you. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. 
He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Jesus told his disciples, watch and pray. When temptation comes, watch and pray. Pray. When temptation comes, do what Jesus did. When Satan came to Jesus, Jesus responded with God's word, it is written. When temptation comes, don't just do the defensive thing. Go on the offense and share God's word. Some simple things. Simple things. Identify the false hope. Look to God for hope. Remember God's promise to you. Pray God's word. Use God's word. Really simple. Your mind's going, man, I got to remember five things when this happens. We're going to fall, okay? We're going to fall into sin. I want you to know that I'm not giving you permission to sin or me. I'm just saying it's going to happen. We're going to pray. We're going to use God's word. And we're still going to fall. I want you to know God has something way more powerful than our prayer and our willpower when it comes to temptation. In Titus chapter 2, it says this. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to temptations. To say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It teaches us to say no. To say no to... Well, what is the it? What is the it? Do you know what the it is? It's found in the previous verse in Titus chapter 2. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, that offers salvation to all people. It is grace. The grace of God has appeared. What helps us fight off temptation is God's grace. You see, it is grace that inspires us. It is grace that transforms our hearts. Praying is good. Being in God's word is good. Not for the do's and don'ts of God's word, but because of the grace that we see there. The grace of God is not a mirage. The grace of God is our sure hope of happiness for now and for all eternity. Grace leads us to say no. Let's pray. Lord God, as, as we come here, between us all here, just me, from the gamut, uh, we've blown it in every way. We've listened. Uh, we've listened to the lies. We've lied to ourselves. We've, we've lied to others. We've lied to you. But you provided a Savior, a Savior for, for all of that, for all of me, for all all of us. Lord God, fill us 
with your grace, with the truth of your grace, and lead us to have the eternal hope of happiness because of your grace. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.